Welcome to How to Live Your Best Life Radio, a podcast about stories and experiences from real people who are striving to live their best life every day in some way. I developed this podcast to uplift you and encourage you to continue to pursue greatness every single day. I'm your host, Coach Tawny Saunders, and I'm so excited to share my guest today. So let's get started. I am here with Stephanie, and Stephanie and I have known each other for a very long time. And right now, we're actually physically in Texas. I'm here doing some work training, and Stephanie lives here. And so we've been, we had dinner together, and we had a great time. So I'm going to ask Stephanie, I've already warned her, a, f- a set of questions. <laughs> and so this is completely off the cuff here. She has had no prep. No, I really haven't. <laughs> okay, this we'll whole see. This whole concept is a, is a surprise to her. So, okay. So, what is a truth that you live by every day, or what truth gets you through hard days? Oh, wow. Hard days. Let's see. Oh, the days that I'm screaming, and I want to pull my <laughs> hair out, and I'm yelling at everybody. I will just stop, and I'll be like, what am I doing? I just have to talk to myself. I'm like, this is not you. This is not the example you want to set for your kids. And it's like, even especially, and and this may not even be pertaining to it, but when I had postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. the worst after I had Lorna, I had to talk to myself every day and be like, this is why you're like this. This is what you're having. So it's just like, I don't even know if it's a truth. It's just that I have to recognize my own moods. And stop myself and be like, this is not acceptable. I have to talk to myself. I have to talk myself down. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, I I don't really go to church, but I pray a lot. And I'm just like, God, just please, just whatever you're teaching me right now, I am humbled. I am apologizing to my children. Mm -hmm. I'm apologizing to my husband. I'm apologizing to myself. Mm -hmm. The dog, whoever it has to be. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, it's just Uh, one of those things of, you know, it's just... um, I don't even know if that's like answering what you asked. It's just no, it is. What gets me through the day is self-realization of you're being a butt, mm-hmm. or you're overreacting, or stopping myself before I get to the next step. Where did because you, where did that come from? Where did you learn that? What what makes <sighs> you what makes you fall back on that, or what is it that you fall back on, or makes you realize that that's important? Realizing how I acted after my mom died. Mm-hmm. And not acknowledging it and blaming everyone else. Mm-hmm. Do you ever hear your mom's voice in your what you say to your kids? Oh my gosh, all the time. And I swear the inflection <laughs> of my voice changes and her accent. She was born and raised in Texas, and so I don't really have her accent. Mm-hmm. But it comes out through my voice. Mm-hmm. And I will just be like, um, okay, mom, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I mean, she she flew off the handle a lot. She didn't acknowledge... A lot of things. She was a great mom. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. She wasn't abusive. She wasn't anything like that. She was, but she yelled all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for her, but it's like one of those things of I take the best parts of my childhood and then change the things I didn't like to raise my kids. I think we not all not do necessarily that. better, but different. I you think know, we, I think we all did do that. For example, when I was growing up, my mom wasn't particularly affectionate. Like, she didn't always hug us and all that kind of stuff. And actually, when we talk about it with our mom now, me and my sisters, she's like, you know, I should have done better with that. But it was stuff that she was carrying from her childhood. And so, but as a mom now, 
when I was raising my kids, like I never put my kids to bed without hugging and kissing them and telling them good night. And I, I remember actually even when we lived on Sonora, when they were like, oh, I don't want to oh, hug yeah. or kiss you. And I would say, <laughs> this might be the only chance you ever get. Guilt trap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're like, why did you say that? Of course I'm going to give you a hug and a kiss now. <laughs> See, well, my, my mom was like that, too. Get, you know, she was like, oh, you're going to get makeup on my shirt. Get away from me. Oh, you're going to poke holes in my hair because, you know, the 80s football big hair. hair. Yeah, our big hair. You know, hair. the perms <laughs> and, and the aquanet and the whole uh-huh. nine yards. You know, she didn't have the bangs, but she had the football helmet. Right. You know, and I don't, until she got sick, I don't even honestly remembering the I love yous. Mm-hmm. Until she got sick. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's just, even when I'm having a good day, mm-hmm. I'm talking to myself going, okay, you know what? You did better than yesterday. This is awesome. You know, and, and I know people, it, it sounds crazy, yeah. but it's like <clears throat> I'm my own therapist because I've learned the older I get to recognize my moods and acknowledge them and own it. I can relate to that. And not blame somebody else. Mm-hmm. Just because my husband's in a bad mood. And says something wrong to me and I and I blow up at him. It's not his fault. That's my fault because that's my reaction. Right. If he's in a bad mood and he snaps at me, it's my job to be like, honey, what's wrong? Did something bad happen? Are you okay? Are you in pain? Because, you know, he's disabled and he's in pain every single day. Mm-hmm. He just goes about his life because that's who he is. You know, and even when the kids are in a bad mood. I've learned not to fly off the handle. I'm like, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you bored? What What do you need to tell me? Rather than me trying to, and I'm not perfect. <laughs> None of us are. <laughs> In the morning before my coffee when I have to get my son up at 6.30 because he refuses to eat breakfast at home, but he wants to go to school and eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. So he has to be there by 7.10 or he's, the line's going to be too long. Right. And he only gets chocolate milk anyway, but it's something in his stomach because he's a sensory picky eater. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, I have to remember, don't yell back at him. Because then my mood towards him can set the precedence for the whole day. And if the teacher snaps at him, then he's just going to yell at the teacher. Mom's not happy. Nobody's happy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and here's, here's the thing. They, it's not totally in check, but you know, my, my postpartum depression is not raging every day mm-hmm. and I'm acknowledging things, you know, and my kids get me through my day. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like the things that are what help you live the best you can every day are your memories of your mom and wanting to be happy and make everybody happy and help everybody be complete. But my problem is making everyone else happy. I sometimes forget to make myself happy. And then by the end of the week, I am on meltdown. And We talked about that stuff today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. How many years has it been since I got a haircut? <laughs> so in kind of going along with that, think back to when all, all of the things we've been talking about tonight and just like growing up and things that you wanted to do with your life, which we sort of touched on tonight about like things that you wanted to do in the future. When you daydream and when you used to daydream growing up, what kind of impact did you dream of having on the world? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You know, the small town, the small town life, my mother growing up very simply, very small town, very, you know, I, she was raised very strict. I was raised very strict. So honestly, you know, 
I was so sheltered, I didn't really see an impact anywhere. I just knew I wanted to leave and find out who I was after I left. Mm-hmm. You know, and that made led to a lot of mistakes, honestly, trying to figure out who I was. Everybody does it, but right. mine were some doozies, you know, I didn't finish a lot of things, but I don't know. Honestly, I, I always thought I'd have... I don't even know what kind of job I thought I would have. At first, I went into education. When I started college, I didn't finish. But, you know, I kind of, in a way, fulfilled that mm-hmm. with daycare mm-hmm. when I had that, you know, and my first marriage and stepkids and all the kids I've ever been around. I got to help teach them and help them grow and help keep them safe, you know, and being a stay-at-home mom, by, by my husband's and my choice, we talked about it a lot before we got married. And decided, you know, that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I think it's so important. It's, it's a luxury that most of us don't get anymore these days. So it's, like, I am it's such a blessing. I am super fortunate. Well, he's, he makes so many sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, seriously, tonight? This is the first time he's been alone with our children? <laughs> I, I don't even know the last time he's been alone. <laughs> Except for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes when I go to the grocery store. Or before Christmas when I spent two hours at Target, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. He, and, and this is important because I am doing something for myself. Mm-hmm. I got to come see you. I reached out, you know, because I mean, who knows if I wouldn't have reached out, who knows if you would have asked, if you, you know, well, thought I, knew about I, it. I, I knew that I wanted to, but like, you know, people's lives are busy and well, I, that's, I just, it's something that's important to me. And so I'm yeah. actually really happy Oh, yeah. That you that you were as excited about it as I was, to be honest. I just I want you guys to know, everybody who's listening, Stephanie was just a really big part of my kids' lives, and I believe that your impact on the world is what we talked about earlier, which is relationships, because you, like I told you, my kids have these wonderful memories of you, and not all of which I share because I was so involved in my own whatever was going. Well, on and my that's own. completely understandable. And like I said, I would steal your all's kids just so you guys could have some peace and quiet. Because she, she I was the raise single. She had a part in that. <laughs> I, being as young as I was, I don't know how I, I was fun because I was so young because I didn't have any responsibilities at the time. So it's like, yeah. Let me just take them because it's fun for me to, you know, be auntie for a little while. Mm-hmm. Well, you're good at it. So if you could do anything or if you had the platform where the entire world could hear you, what would your message be? Wow. Um, what, what is so important to you that you think it would be important to share with other people? Don't doubt yourself. Mm. Don't think, wow, why am I emotional for this? Don't second guess yourself. Don't ever let other people's opinions of you put you down. She's going to make me cry. Oh, no, I'm crying. <laughs> well, not your boyfriends, not your husbands, not your parents, not your so-called best friends that mm-hmm. you spent every day of your life with in school but haven't talked to for 20 years. Mm-hmm. There, No one is the same. You know, that's just like when I met you tonight, too, mm-hmm. for dinner. We're getting to re-know each other because we're not the same people we used to be. Right. So it's like a blind date, basically, yeah. you know. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. and, and then you do reminisce. You get back into that, you know, and you get excited for everything that's going on in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one other thing that I've had to learn is a degree doesn't make you who you are, like we said earlier. Mm-hmm. Me being a stay-at-home mom now doesn't make me any less of a person than I was when I worked. Right. Because... Well, you're talking to somebody who believes that's one of the most important jobs in the whole world. Well, yes. Well, and, and here, here's the thing of it, too. You know, everybody's different, and every 
family unit is unique and it's what works for them and is what's best for them. Mm-hmm. The way I look at it, and it's not to take away from working moms, the way I look at it is I have one chance mm-hmm. to raise my kids in this world, mm-hmm. to be respectful, productive, to let them know, even though it's hard, my son's only six years old and my daughter doesn't even understand things yet much, but they're not entitled. My son is legally blind. Everyone has always said I've been hard on him. No, I haven't. Mm -hmm. Because he walked at 19 months. He, God chose to give him vision in both eyes a few years ago. Mm -hmm. He reads like a champ. Because of you. Because I did not treat him like he was blind. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter, she's going to have a speech problem probably. She teethed and literally bit the end of her tongue off. Mm -hmm. And she's not talking. Mm -hmm. And when she does talk, it's, you know... It sounds funny, you know, and and I will do everything for her like I did for my son. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't or that you're not good enough because I don't care if you're sweeping floors and cleaning toilets. Mm-hmm. You matter because somebody has to do that. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The people that do that get paid a heck of a lot more than some people that are, you know, working in an office as an office assistant. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's true. <laughs> I, it, it is true, you know, mm-hmm. but they look down on those people. No, don't, because everybody, there's a job for everyone. And what people don't understand, trade schools need to come back. Mm-hmm. Don't doubt yourself. Don't think that you're not good enough. Don't think that someone that's, you know, wearing a suit and driving a fancy car to work is better than you because you drive a truck and have muddy boots and you weld all day long and come home looking like you rolled around in dirt. Mm-hmm. That's so true. It takes, it takes... Um, all different kinds of people to make the world go round. You know, and and nobody understands that anymore. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I can't say I, I'm not one of those people that's going to say millennials or baby boomers or Gen X or anything like that, because even our parents' generation, everybody has contributed to the problems that that go on, mm-hmm. and nobody should blame another generation for it's any always, of it. It's always easy to to point fingers. Exactly. And you know, and that's part of don't doubt yourself. Don't let somebody look at you and point a finger at you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, know that you matter Mm -hmm. no matter what. And I still tell myself that every day. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it every day. But I will tell myself that. We all don't believe it every day. I struggle. And I know everybody else, and I'm sure everybody who will hear this, struggles with self-worth every single day. Because you just have days where you feel insignificant or less than. And it's because we're human and we allow ourselves to be to put people's opinions of us in front of our own but it's it's also important I think and this is something that I've learned is that just exactly to what you're saying that when you look at somebody and you are judging them you're forgetting that somewhere there's somebody that that person is is important in their life so for you, you know, your, ki- your kids, you are, you're, you're their world. And so somebody who might see you might have thoughts about you and not realize that you are somebody else's world. And if we ever, we always looked at people and thought, wow, I wonder what role this person plays in the lives of the people that she's a part of or that he's a part of or actually you can reverse that and say like 
there's a role that your kids play in your life and it's what gets you through every single day oh yes <laughs> <laughs> okay next question what life experience has changed you the most for the better when i broke my ankle Oh. In um, 2006. So tell me about that. I was going through a divorce. And <clears throat> we had agreed to um, that I was keeping the house. I was going to license the home daycare that I had and make all the arrangements that I needed to do for that. And he was going to find a place. We were still living in the same house because of his children and then going to school and, and him looking for a place and things like that. And... Um, I was with some friends one night, and I we went to the grocery store. We were having a barbecue. Went to the grocery store. It started raining, and I jumped out of the car. And it was raining, and I slipped in a pothole in an oily parking spot and broke both bones in my right ankle. And I had to have two surgeries. It gives me the chills. I was on crutches for six months. No, the chills is, is the external fixator that they screw into your leg in between surgeries so your bones stay together. That's... <sighs> That's the worst I literally part. have goosebumps right now. Yeah. I shattered my ankle about five years ago. So I, when, oh any, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I, anytime t somebody tells me about that kind of stuff, yeah. I, I can feel it. No, yes. I know. I, <laughs> I know have some PTSD, think. especially the slipping part on the water and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I'm sitting there and, and thinking it's not going to be that bad. Okay. I broke it. They're going to put a cast on it. Six weeks later, I'm going to be fine. Six months later. I'm finally in physical therapy, not even they're supposed to be driving, but anyway, the most life-changing thing about that, it told me to let go. It told me that, you know, I, I hear Grandma Winnie in the back of my head, well, I told you to slow down and you didn't listen, you know, and, and so that my, my most life-changing moment was that because it made me realize I needed to let go of things. Mm -hmm. I needed to stop holding on to things that I thought mattered. I needed to move forward with my life, and it didn't matter that I didn't know what I wanted or what I was going to do, mm -hmm. but I needed to start over. And I think that, at that point, too, because I, I, my mom had passed away a year before that, and I had been crazy mm -hmm. for the past year. Not a very nice, sane person <laughs> in the slightest. I think that was my most life-changing moment, is that made me let go of a lot. Mm -hmm. So share with me. Your favorite quote or scripture? Oh, wow. See, okay, quotes, I don't get to read much. I mean, you know, I, I could quote <laughs> you some Dr. Seuss or Lori Berkner or something like that. Those, those count? Ma maybe some wiggles. Those count. <laughs> whichever, whichever one is your favorite, doesn't matter where um, it comes from, and then tell me why. Well, I mean, ever since high school, when I started going to church by myself, I've always loved Isaiah forty thirty one. I know that's cliche. Everybody talks about it. Those that wait upon the Lord will lift up with wings as eagles. They will walk and uh, and not fall. I can't remember. Run and not be weary. Yes. Yeah. Walk and not fall. Run and not be weary. And I think about that a lot, actually. I even still have a bookmark that has that scripture on it that one of the counselors at church camp gave me. Mm. when they Even before they found out I liked it, that mm. it was my favorite thing. But no, I mean, you know... That's my favorite quote, but just, mm -hmm. you know, little snippets that I hear. I feel like I always hear the right thing at the right time, whether I remember it or not, mm -hmm. if that makes any no, sense. No, I totally can relate to that. I, 
I have always felt like whatever message I hear was intended for me for some reason specifically, and it, it can happen like right before or right after something is going on with me. And it's like the answer to something that I just went through to help me make sense of it or it's encouragement for probably something I'm about to go through. It just seems like that's how it works. But I always know that that was meant for me somehow. Oh yeah. Hey guys, quick intermission here. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking subscribe right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now, back to the show. Okay, tell me one story about your life and what you learned from it. The first thing that actually comes to my mind is after we moved down here with No Village. Because, you know, you, you grow up, you, have, you get married, you have kids, and, and you, have, you have a village. You, you have someone's family. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your chosen family or your blood family, you, you have some type That's of so support. True. Support system, yeah. I have none. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you earlier, we moved down here, we both had family here, and for whatever reasons, you know, we just, his, his family moved and, and my family, they could call me right now and I'd be there. And I'm 90% sure it goes the other way, and I hate to say that, so if they ever hear this and, and figure out who I am, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but we, we have no village, you know, and he networks and he does different things, and, and so I am home a lot by myself. And, and you, you have to learn to rely on yourself, and you have to understand that you're not going to get the date nights that are important, you know, and then you, you feel like you're neglecting your husband, and then if, if you, you know, and... and it in religion you know your husband's the head of the household you put your husband before your children well guess what when you don't have a network when you don't have your village you you don't put your husband first you know and then there somewhere in there you got to take care of yourself and I'm always last you know it's living without a village is hard and you and you have to learn to rely on yourself and you have to understand that you're stronger than you think you are Mm -hmm. you're puking yourself and you're 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 cleaning yourself up. You're Lysoling yourself. You're using mouthwash, and, and you're washing your hands, and you're making dinner, and you're doing the laundry, and you're picking your kids up from school. And if you're able to, you are sitting there praying you don't get anybody else sick, and you're there at that concert for your kids so they don't feel left out because you're not there. So. Whoever's listening, if you have a village, be grateful, even if it's flawed. <laughs> Definitely. Even if it's one person. I, I can relate to that because, and I'm, I'm sure you probably remember this, when I first moved to Memphis, it was after my divorce, and Dana, who is one of my best friends, who was my ex-husband's girlfriend at the time once they finally broke up and I know this sounds weird so if you don't know this about me I am best friends with my ex-husband's other mother of his child of one of his children <laughs> probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me and I know for she's sure she's so sweet I have, I don't know her well but Dana is to the times I've been around her she's super sweet she she it was it was not ideal obviously as you can tell how we became friends but she was a blessing to my kids as well I I was one thing we've talked about several times this evening is that there are different people in my life that were so wonderful to my kids you being one of them I was so lucky anyway 
when we moved to Memphis, that was my version of escaping my life in Missouri. At the time, I probably knew that, but I didn't realize how badly I needed to escape. But we moved to a place where we didn't know anybody. I mean, Dana had a friend, and her family wasn't too far away from Memphis, like a couple hours and stuff. But I literally had nobody except for her. And I'm sure she can attest to this, but there were many times living together that and sharing a home, even though we led very different lives, like she was working, I was working, that we did not get along and we weren't always on the same page. And, and so literally I had no village for like two years and it was very hard. There were so many times that I called my, my parents crying or just, you know, I don't like, when I look back on those times, like I don't even know how I made it through those almost two years before I was like, okay. And the thing that changed it for me, and this is my story, not yours, but is that I finally realized that my kids were getting to the age where I didn't want to lose them. And I had to woman up and put my tail between my legs and come back home so that I could get the help that I knew my kids needed, that I needed so that they, wouldn't get lost. Memphis was a crazy place. I mean, there's a couple times that I came home and I had like every kid in the neighborhood scaling the fence because mom was home. <laughs> there was another time I came home and my kids, the rule in my house is that you never open the door unless it's for Jesus. And then Jesus would never ask you to open the door because he would never ask you to disobey your parents. That was one of the things we lived I, I am so good at use that. <laughs> and so when I, one day I rolled up into the driveway, and I don't know why it was always a surprise when I came to the up in the driveway. All of a sudden, like, all these kids poured out of my house, and literally the front door came off the hinges. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I completely understand what it's like to live without having a village. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I knew, I knew those were those moments where I was like, okay, something has to change. I need my village or I need a village. I have one last thought for you. Yes. Tell me what you are most grateful for. I mean, yeah, I'm grateful for my kids and my parents, but mm -hmm. I honestly don't know if I wouldn't have met him and we both wouldn't have made the choices that we made because I said earlier he had some choices and mm -hmm. I had some choices and some trust issues mm -hmm. I had to choose to not compare him mm -hmm. to my past you know and then I didn't know until a long time later that you know he kind of had to do the same thing too not just with with his other problem but with uh you know one of his past relationships that was a freaking doozy and a half <laughs> but um I think we've all had at least one right at least. At least. <laughs> at least. Minimum. If not more. <laughs> but, um, I'm sorry, after like the second or third, it's just your own fault. <laughs> even, even saying that to myself. But yes. anyway, um, you know, because, I mean, I trusted again. Mm -hmm. I decided to get married again, even though it was like super quick and people said I was stupid. I'm pretty sure his side of the family thought I was either pregnant or a gold digger. Mm -hmm. That's why we got married so fast, which was not the case. Mm -hmm. We just, we were in our 30s. We just, it was one of those moments you just know. Well, I also think when you get older, too, you just, you've been through some things. You kind of know what you want and what you don't want. And so it's a little bit easier, I think, to go, look, we don't have time for this. 
either you're game, you're not game, either you can Pretty do this, much. you're not gonna, so you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that you're not still learning or. Well, and, and for me, not having my own children mm -hmm. and knowing that I wanted a family. Mm -hmm. And and here here's the thing, you know, we both laugh about this and it's, it's not to, to put down anyone else. Mm -hmm. But at the ages we met, it was very rare for neither one of us to have children. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, Most people have at least one kid. Yeah. Or, or um, something. Um, you know, he, he, he made the snide comment, you know, he didn't like that I was divorced and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, can't do anything about that. I was mm -hmm. like, but you never have to meet him because <laughs> we don't have kids together. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, so it's. I communicate better with him. I'm not afraid of hurting his feelings and telling him exactly how I feel and understanding that my feelings are important too. Mm -hmm. So you can be yourself. 97% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I give him a break with a 3% every once in a while and I act mm -hmm. like little Miss Mary Sunshine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the other 3% is probably when he's like, oh my God, who is this demon woman that I married? <laughs> But, um, <laughs> so funny. But it's, I'm <laughs> honest, you know. I mean, I know for God's sakes, I'm not perfect, he's not perfect, but somehow we balance each other out so well. I, I'm grateful for him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have my babies. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met someone that we actually sat down and communicated before we got married and before we decided to have kids together mm. how we were going to raise our children. And getting married in less than a year, people are like, oh, my God, you guys are so stupid and crazy. How is this ever going to work? But we did. Mm -hmm. We were both mature adults. And just, you know, that it, it wasn't like a love at first sight thing. But it was just one of those things that when we first met, we just knew something was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, we're like, yeah, we're probably going to get married. Honestly, I never got a proposal. We literally, it just, it was a matter of fact conversation. Just, it's going to happen. Yeah. We just didn't know when, and then we just decided to be like, let's just get it over with. Let's just do this. He's like, uh, my staff sergeant's an ordained minister. He has a church out in town, and he said he'll marry us and call your dad. Roger that. <laughs> you know? But what a blessing. And it was, and it wasn't, I didn't need a wedding. I didn't need frou-frou-frills and... You know, I just, I needed him and my dad, and that I was think, it. I think I would do anything and to skip all of that if I could just have the person that was meant for me. You know what I'm saying? That's the most important thing out of all of that anyway. Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of How to Live Your Best Life Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. If you like this show, you might want to check out my Facebook group, How to Live Your Best Life for Daily Positivity. And I'm also available for private coaching and speaking engagements. Be sure to tune in next time for another powerful episode. Until then, please remember to love one another.